0: It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome back to episode 118 of the Simply Fit podcast. I'm excited to get into today's topic. It's been a very, very long time since I've done a solo Sunday episode for you all. And we are going to continue on the trend that we created last year and will be ongoing for as long as this podcast is in existence for, which is covering the top 10 things I learned about health and fitness this year. And this year being 2021, I did my top 10 for 2020 and it actually turned out to be the second most popular episode that this podcast has ever produced. So if you want to listen to that and get my insights on 2020, I believe it's actually episode 10. So you have to scroll back a little bit, but I think it'll be worth listening to if you want to get my reflections. But today I've got a fresh set of reflections. I actually haven't re really listened to that last podcast. so I'm not even sure what I said. I have an inkling of what I spoke about because of a lot of that year was spent in lockdown, but I've just thought about what is it about 2021 that's been specific to me of what I've actually learned, what I've been able to take away from it and what Love about health and fitness is that, you know, my own personal journey is onwards of 12, 13, 14 years now, yet I'm still learning. I am still learning to this day. And I love the fact that I can reflect on a year and think about, okay, well, what is it that I have learned? And what am I going to apply to the year 2022? So let's dive in. These are in no particular order. I have intentionally placed the last one because I think it's a nice closing message. But generally, these are all just as important as each other. So hopefully you can resonate with a few. Let me know what you think of them by the time the episode comes to an end. So let's dive into number one. My first reflection and the first thing I learned about health. Fitness in 2021 is when it comes to longevity, enjoyment matters more than your goals. I actually hesitated to say that because it sounds like quite a strong statement because of I'm someone who is so, so, uh, such a big advocate of setting goals. I think it's incredibly important for, for all areas of life. But what I actually said recently, I hesitated to say this out loud as well. It was one of these initial thoughts that came across my mind. And I started analyzing it for a little bit before I actually said it, but it rings true. I said to myself, and I was doing a home bodyweight session, if I had to train with just body weight and bands for the rest of my life, I would become a runner. And that's literally what came out. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't say it because it sounds negative, but it just doesn't provide the same level of enjoyment for me. And that is what it is. And I mean, when I go into a gym, I genuinely enjoy lifting heavy weights. I genuinely enjoy what I'm doing. But when it comes to the bodyweight sessions with bands, I just don't get that same excitement. I don't get that same desire. I still do it because I know the importance of it. And I also know that it's not forever. However, I think I would look towards something else like running, for example, if it had to be forever. And what it made me think is that during your actual like short-term goals that you're looking towards, right? If I had a fat loss goal and I had to do my bodyweight sessions in order to achieve that goal, that's totally fine. But when it comes to you sticking to your health and fitness journey for the long-term, I'm talking five, 10, 15 years, or even just one year or two years, I really think the enjoyment matters more. I think whilst you're in a dedicated phase, focus on what gets you the best results and gets you to that goal soonest. However, if you're in a maintenance phase, if you're a long-term lifestyle phase, enjoyment in your training or Whatever form of exercise you choose is gonna be the most important thing. And I've genuinely lived that out. And I really think it rings true with me. And the way that I best describe this is I was thinking, okay, well, what would make this interesting? If I had a like a really decent home setup where I had barbells, dumbbells, and a bench, would I be happier? Would I be, you know, would I be able to keep this up? Would I have the same enjoyment? I think the answer would probably be yes, as long as I had like a dedicated space, I had plenty of equipment to utilize. But almost what I came to the analogy of, and hopefully you Enjoy this one. It's almost like I've been playing tennis for my entire health and fitness life, let's say. And then all of a sudden, someone says, You're not allowed, long- you're not allowed to play tennis anymore. You can only play ping-pong. And you know, on paper, they look very similar, right? You're hitting the ball over the net, you have a certain set of parameters in which you need to keep the ball within. You've got a bat, you've got a ball. It looks very similar but it's just not tennis. And this doesn't mean that ping pong isn't amazing. It just means it's not tennis, right? So this is the what I came to the conclusion of. And it is completely different in my eyes anyway. And it made me think that enjoyment when it comes to the long-term is the most important thing. So when you are outside of your dedicated phases, when you are looking to maintain, when you are in a bit more of a lifestyle phase, it's so, so important that I think you should still have goals. Absolutely, because they will be a great driving force but you have to enjoy what you're doing as well. So that's reflection number one. Number two is having a consistent training environment will bring you so much more success. And my experience of this year was that I started in the lockdown in the UK, just like a lot of people listening today, or a lot of people around the world, as a matter of fact. And then I made a transition over to Dubai. And I think I landed late February and got back to training around early March. And I spent about three months in Dubai at the start of the year. And oh boy, did my training thrive because I had, The same set of variables every single time I was going to the same gym. I got really comfortable with that gym. I had a great amount of equipment. The time of day I was going was really quiet and I had a solid program in place as well. And I thrived. My body bounced back right away from the lockdown physique that I gained because I was doing a ton of running at the time. And I think I'd lost a little bit of muscle, but my training was the best it's been for a while. And I got to the strongest I've been. And we're going to touch on that in a little bit more detail later on in the episode. But it really really made me realize that having a consistent training environment is so important and then what happened subsequently is that i started traveling i went to spain i went to turkey i went to mexico i went to colombia and as much as that was amazing and you know the quality of my life and the enjoyment of all those experiences was fantastic my training did suffer doesn't mean I didn't train. It just meant that I didn't have that same consistent training environment. You know, when I got to Istanbul, I traded in a decent gym, but it was limited and uh, it was not the most premium. Let's put it that way. When I got to Barcelona, I got a fantastic gym and that was great. But then I went to Seville. The gym was once again great, but the barbells were a little bit different. The machines were a little bit different. Then I got back to Barcelona. Then I found a gym in Mexico City, which was a little bit old-fashioned. That I found an amazing gym in Colombia. You get the point, right? So you know, it was a bit all over the place, and there was various times. I was staying in hotels. So I was relying on hotel gyms. So it wasn't that I stopped training and it wasn't that I couldn't train. It was just that having that stable environment was so helpful. So if potentially you're mixing between different gyms, maybe you're mixing between home training and gym training at this moment in time, if it's working for you and it's practical and you're getting the job done, amazing. But consider what it would be like if you were able to stick to one consistent environment. That's something I really want to focus on in the early stages of next year It's just having that one set gym that I love going to, that's really, really well-equipped. I am I like going there. I enjoy the surroundings, the environment, and that I stick with it. So I can see some real, real improvements in my training and my results. So that's for reflection number two. Reflection number three was actually reflection number four on my list, but I'm going to dive into number four because it is fairly in line with what I just mentioned, which is maintaining your physique whilst traveling is 100% possible. So I couldn't say this last year. I could definitely say that you can keep in shape, but I couldn't say that maintaining your physique whilst traveling is possible because I only traveled between July and December. And also I had a bit of a mini fat loss phase in that last year. But this year, my only goal, apart from getting strong, but from a body composition standpoint, has been to maintain. And this is the first time it's been this way, I want to say from my entire life. I did some maintaining from 2019 through to 2020, but I haven't had like a January to December period where I only want to maintain my body composition and my shape. If I gain a little bit of muscle, so be it. But I'm not proactively going into a gaining phase or a cutting phase throughout the entire course of this year. And since February, I have been traveling countlessly. Every couple of months, I've been moving to different cities or different countries. So with that being said, I've had my first full experience of a year whilst traveling. And funnily enough, I was actually stepping on a set of scales. I don't actually travel with any scales. I don't really have an ability to weigh myself. But I was using a friend's set of scales whilst I was in Dubai, whilst I was weighing my suitcase. It was at the end of the day, which I would never advise you to weigh yourself there. However, I thought, let me just step on because I a needed to see my weight for the suitcase and B, I was just intrigued. I wanted to see where I was at. And I think I landed on about 84 or 83.5 or something along those lines. My optimal weight, actually it was 84.5, I think it was. My optimal weight is 83 kilos. That's where I sit really comfortably. And that was at the end of the day, 84.5, which realistically means my weight probably usually by the end of the day, I'm about between anywhere between two and 2.5 kilos heavy was dead on where I needed to be. And I probably left... London this year at around 82, 83, 84. And I you know, this time a year later, I'm still sitting around that amount. And I was quite taken back. You know, these things still surprise me. I've been doing this for a while now, but I have not tracked my on my fitness pal for I don't even remember. I'd have to check to find out. I've not really been too cognizant of what I've been eating. I've just eaten my normal foods, eating really quite well and truly intuitively. I've trained regularly, you know, I've tried to keep myself active, I've just followed my fundamental principles and the rules that I live by, which I talk to you guys about all the time. But it's amazing to me that I've had so many different experiences in terms of different locations, different sets of food, different sets of people to be around with. Like, There's just been so many different variables this year for me, just due to all the traveling that I've done. And it is pretty fantastic. I was pretty happy that I was able to maintain that physique. And if I look at my physique, it's not far off where it was last year. Probably not that great because I was ill recently and I haven't been able to get back into full training yet. But apart from that, I'm relatively in the same place. And it just goes to show that it can be done. And I think I mentioned this a little while back when I was reading an article about traveling and you know some of the pros and cons of traveling and working at the same time. One of the first things the and put on his articles that you can throw you being in shape out the window or something silly and naive like that. And I was like, absolutely not, that is not happening. And I've been able to prove that to myself. And this isn't me boasting by any means. I'm just genuinely surprised that it's been so second nature. I want this to be encouraging more so than anything. I want you to think that you know, once I get into a maintenance phase, going across the world and traveling shouldn't stop me from being in shape. And had I stayed in Dubai in the early stages of this year, kept training in that gym, All the way up until now, would I be stronger? Would I be in a better place with my physique? 100%. I'm not going to lie to myself that I could have made a ton more progress. And that is very much in line with the last point I made. However, at this moment in my life, it's just not a huge priority for me. I'm relatively pleased with where my physique is. And if I'm still making progress and I'm still maintaining, then I'm happy. So if you're ever keen to travel in the future and you're wondering what that means for your health and fitness, I would say it just means that you won't make an abundance of progress but you can still maintain what you've achieved and even make a little bit of progress as well. I genuinely can say that from experience. And if anyone wants to argue with me, then you just can't. I'm sorry, but you just can't anymore. So let's dive into the next, which is number four, which is new circumstances mean new expectations. And let me tell you a little story about a naive version of myself. And I appreciate a lot of this episode today is going to be me talking about my experiences, but hopefully you can find some value from that. So there was a time when... When I first discovered personal development, I discovered meditation, I discovered journaling, I discovered all these amazing self-development books. And this was sometime I want to say, in 2016 or 2017. The year is irrelevant, but I discovered them. And I had this period of my life where I actually moved cities. I was living alone um, for the second time, and I was able to just dive into this world. I was able to spend a bunch of time reading. I was able to meditate twice a day. I was journaling. I felt so in love with my spiritual self and my developed self. And, you know, I felt great about it. And then for like the following two, three years after that, I would always, always, always compare myself to that version. I'd be like, "Oh, I'm not the Elliot of 2016. I'm not the Elliot of 2017, whenever it was," because you know I had a new set of circumstances. I moved to London. I was working in a different gym. I was in a relationship. All these loads of different things changed for me, and I was, you know, pushing in different areas of my life, and I wasn't able to quite dedicate myself the same way that I did to my spiritual and personal development practices. And I always felt like I was just longing to be back where I was, like really longing to be back where I was. And so I had a realization and I'm not sure what brought on this realization, but I was like, Elliot, you're never going back there. That version of you is dead and gone. You have a completely new set of circumstances. You have a completely new set of experiences. You have a completely new set of goals and values in your life. How can you possibly think that you're going to go back to that version when your circumstances, your experience, and your values look completely different? Well, not maybe completely different, but significantly different from where they were. And this was a really eye-opening for me. And I don't know what brought this realization on, but I finally was able to drop that and then actually look at, okay, what are my current circumstances and how? can I make the most of these whilst thriving in these areas that I want to thrive, but also keeping in line with the fact that I want to develop myself from a personal standpoint and a spiritual standpoint as well. And once I applied that modality of thinking versus, oh, I wish I was the 2016, 17 version of myself, I made so much more progress. I was able to commit to five to 10 minutes of meditation in the morning versus worrying about why I wasn't doing 20 minutes anymore. I was able to start listening to more audiobooks rather than being concerned as to why I wasn't reading physical books anymore. And once I changed that modality of thinking, once I really thought about my current set of circumstances, my experiences and my values and goals, I was able to feel so much more content with my day-to-day and the actions and behaviors that I was partaking in. And I wasn't worrying about that previous version of myself. I appreciated it. It was great to see what I could do but it no longer served me to look back. And this is what I see so many people do within their health and fitness. They think about that prior version of themselves that was in shape, who was super healthy, who was able to you know, go to the gym five times a week, was able to eat whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Back in the day where it was five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, yet now they have a super intense job. They've had their first couple of children. They have a completely new set of circumstances. They're also not 20 years old anymore. They're now 40, 45, yet they're still comparing themselves to where they were before. Rather than letting go of that old version, appreciating what they did for their body at that time, and actually started focusing on what their current circumstances are and looking at what the best solution was for this set of circumstances that they're currently in. And another fantastic example of this is a friend and a client I've been working with. So I worked with her in 2018 or 19. And during that time, she got pregnant. So she decided to stop because obviously her goals changed. She wanted to focus on her pregnancy. And then she started working with me again in 2021. And there was a point in which we were obviously setting goals for her, scale weight-based goals, as well as other different goals. And she was a bit disheartened by the lack of movement on the scales and almost thinking about when we were working together before and the speed in which they moved, her ability to complete her training, be on point of her new nutrition. But now obviously she has to take primary care of her newborn, little, wonderful, cute baby girl who I've now met in person. And she didn't have that same time capacity that she had before. Her body was under different demands due to the fact that she was initially breastfeeding. There were so many different circumstances to take place, not to mention sleep, right? you know, As most people know who've had children, your newborn's going to dictate your sleep schedule for a pretty long time until they end up sleeping for the night. And that's not going to be consistent for a while. So for us, To compare her results and her efforts to her pre baby self would just be ridiculous, quite frankly. It wouldn't be fair whatsoever because she's in a completely different position. Her body's in a completely different position. So what we want to be looking at is how well are you doing within this set of circumstances, right? These completely new circumstances that you've not been in before. And once we reflected on that, we saw that our progress was pretty fantastic, all things considered. It wasn't what it was before back in 2019 and 18, but realistically, there wasn't much value in us looking back there because of things are now completely different. So to summarize that point, new circumstances mean new expectations. So look at where you're at, look at your current set of circumstances, and then set realistic goals within those. Number five is a really important one to me. And it's that your mental health challenges are not a life sentence. And if I'm completely honest, In the summertime of last year, my mental health was at the worst it's been in a while. It started deteriorating probably from the start of the year, and it just got progressively worse until it peaked its all-time low in the summer, if I'm completely honest, and I then started therapy. And obviously, that was a slow process, getting me back into a bit more of a centered and better place. A lot of people who potentially were working with me or knew me at that time might have not noticed, but that's because I'm incredibly good at concealing it, and most people with mental health challenges are as well, so that's always worth noting. And whilst you're in the thick of having mental health challenges, you almost feel like it's never going to end. You almost feel like it is a bit of a life sentence. And there will be a lot of people who say, you know, you are going to be dealing with those challenges at some degree for the rest of your life. And I don't disagree. I don't like the thought of it, but I don't disagree because it's just like your physical health. If you take your foot off the gas with your training and your nutrition and you get poor sleep and you don't hydrate enough, eventually your physical health will deteriorate. And the same goes for your mental health as well. If you take the foot off the gas on your mental health practices, the same is likely to happen again and you potentially will experience some of the challenges that you have done in the past. But just like the physical side of things, you don't have to be in the worst shape you've ever been in for the rest of your life. You don't have to be overweight for the rest of your life. You don't have to be self-conscious when you take your shirt off. You don't have to be in pain for the rest of your life. You just have to be willing to do the work. And I can thankfully, and with an immense amount of gratitude, say that I'm in a much, much, much better place And I use three much as intentionally. I have restarted therapy because I wanted to get you know a little bit deeper. I wanted to dive deeper. I wanted to understand myself a little bit more. But I'm not going there from a place of, okay, I'm really having challenges. I'm going there from a place of curiosity. And if I compared where I was at this time last year to where I am now, it's a night and day difference. And I'm confident that my continued internal work And awareness of my certain weaknesses and strengths will lead me to making sure that this isn't a life sentence. It isn't something that I experience in a negative way. And it's actually something that's going to make me grow and it's going to make me better. So, for anyone who is currently in this place right now, who maybe you have experienced some mental health issues, maybe you are experiencing them as I talk, just understand that if you are willing to put in some work, if you are Able to see a future where it's a little bit brighter, then there's hope. And I do always believe that there's hope, but you do have to take that first step and do the work and make sure that you are consistent with it because it's not easy and it's not pretty. And you might experience some things that you might not want to experience, but there is light on the other side. So that is point number five. Number six, and this was an insight given to me by my coach, Dan Reeves. So I really appreciate him for this one, which is. Striving to be in the top 1% was holding me back. So for me, in my mind, again, a little bit of dysfunctional thinking here, I used to think that if I was going to do something, I wanted to only do it if I had a good chance of being great at it. And I'm not just speaking about being competent. I wanted to be really, really good at it. And that's what actually led me to staying in bodybuilding for as long as I did. As for some of you who might not know, I competed in 2017 twice in Men's Physique. And I did that. And I focused on that for so long. I was building up to that for like three years before. I did it for about two years after. And I was kind of obsessed with that bodybuilding world, not because I actually enjoyed it upon reflection. And now in hindsight, I'm able to see that, but because I thought I had the ability to be really good at it. I knew how to diet effectively. I had quite good shape in terms of what they were looking for. I knew the ins and outs of it. I was good at training. I had a good baseline of knowledge and I thought that I could do really well in it. And, you know, I definitely, could have done had I gone down that route and gone all in. But that really did hold me back from doing anything else. During my time of bodybuilding, other things interested me, but I didn't stray anywhere else because I was like, well, if I go towards that, I might take away from my potential in bodybuilding. But what I didn't realize is that even when I stopped bodybuilding, that was still happening, but I didn't really have these insights. And I kept thinking about all these things that I wanted to try. And it was like, okay, well, maybe I want to do some Olympic lifting, but I haven't been doing gymnastics since a child. So I'm never going to be good at that. Oh, maybe I want to try CrossFit. Well, you know, the CrossFit champions are like 26, 27, 28. You know, you're not going to be able to be great if you just start now. And these thoughts kept coming in. And I was never able to commit to anything outside of bodybuilding because if The fear of not being able to be the best, to be completely honest. I wanted to be in the top 1% of whatever I chose to do next. And that held me back from starting anything because to be in the top 1%, not only do you have to start relatively young in most cases, You also have to put a ridiculous amount of work. So, I wanted to make sure that what I chose, I actually had the chance of doing that. But the longer time went on and the more resistance I got to starting anything, the more that I started to think that it wasn't a possibility. And it really held me back. So, I just kept training, going through the motions. And it wasn't until earlier this year when, you know, we were focusing on my strength and my shoulder press was getting really strong. And Dan, who was my coach at the time, we were talking about, okay, well, he's like, you're probably in the top 5% of strongest, you know, shoulder presses in the UK. Maybe he was being kind to me at the time, but he was like, well, think about how many people are in the UK and think about what 5% of the population is. He's like, do you genuinely believe that at your weight, that there is that many people more that can do what you can do on the overhead press? I was like, well, yeah, maybe not. He's like, well, you might not be in the 1% or the 00.X% but you're definitely in the top 5%. So that was one of the first moments when I was like, hmm, maybe my initial thought process here hasn't really been serving me. And then the second was when I was listening to a podcast about Tiger Woods and what it requires to be the best of the best, the greatest of all time. And then they spoke about his childhood and how his dad was pretty abusive during his training and all these other type of things. And everything that he has to do in order to become the best. And then you look at the subsequent Path that his life has taken and all the decisions that he's made and where he's ended up. And I'm not one to place judgment, especially on someone's situation that I don't know much about, but it hasn't looked super favorable. And I'm sure if you asked him how he wanted his life to pan out, I'm sure you know it definitely would come with the success, but not the subsequent downfalls that he's had subsequently. So with that being said, we forget what it actually requires to be the best or in the one percent. And it's a lot of sacrifice and it's a lot of hard work and it can lead to dysfunction. And I've spoken before on this podcast, about how as society we praise people when they are so single mindedly focused on one pursuit that we kind of tend to neglect the rest. We praise Elon Musk for Tesla and all of his innovations. We don't really know what he's like at home with his family and his friends. We praise Michael Jordan for being the greatest basketball player of all time. But all of us have seen the documentary on Netflix and seen that, you know, he doesn't look that happy at the moment. So that's not to say that they haven't made the right choices. And it's not to say that, you know, you can't go after that level of success and be happy and fulfilled, but it does make you realize and make you question whether I even want to be in that 1% or whether just being in that top five is good enough. And what I realized for me at this moment in life, I have other priorities. You know, I want to make sure that I take care of my clients to the best of my ability. I want to produce an outstanding podcast, which I hope that I'm doing. I want to travel the world. I want to have different experiences. I want to meet new people. I want to do a bunch of different things. And that does take away from me being in the top... 0.0% whatever percent. So what I learned after those two reflections was that the top 5% is more accurate to where I want to be at this moment in my life. And I can start a lot of things and hopefully get to that place. And it provides a good benchmark. It's doable with what I want to achieve in other areas of my life as well. So if you are someone right now who only wants to be the absolute best at something, and you're missing out on all these opportunities and things that you could do... And just really think about it. Do you actually want to be in that top, top percent? If you do, amazing, go all in. If you don't, reflect and you know start opening up yourself to more opportunities. So number seven ties on nicely to this one, which is being less of a health and fitness addict has made me a better coach. It wouldn't be a surprise five years ago or so to see me in the gym for two and a half hours on a Sunday, enjoying my training session, hanging around the gym, drinking my post-workout protein shake, and just loving all things training. You know, sitting there watching uh, YouTube videos on training and nutrition during my lunch breaks when I got home from work and everything along those lines and that's not to say i don't still do that from time to time but i'm not nearly as obsessed as I was in the past and you know you might think well you know doesn't that hinder what you're trying to do in your job and what i realize is actually has made me better you know I'm so much more relatable to my clients now than i've ever been because of actually my preference is probably the same as yours if you're listening right now i prefer to be in a coffee shop on a sunday sitting down with a book reading or, or spending time with a friend as opposed to spending time in the gym I don't want to spend two three hours in the gym anymore. I want to get the most out of my sessions and be in and out within however long that takes me. And don't get me wrong, I am prepared to make the sacrifices in order to reach my goals, but I'm not nearly as obsessed anymore. And I actually find that I've been able to relate to my clients way more because when they say, I want to go out for a drink, I'm like, yeah, I hear you. And when they want to go out and just enjoy the weekends without training, I'm like, yeah, I hear you. Whereas in the past, I would be like, do you really need to have that drink? Can't you just focus on you know the goals you want to achieve? Or maybe even say on the weekend, yeah, what's the problem with training on the weekend? It's really enjoyable. It's really fun. You get the gym to yourself and all that type of stuff. Stuff, but now I can understand. Now I can relate a lot more, and I feel like you know, not only has my just evolution as a human being done that, but also me traveling as well. Like, I love the gym, don't get me wrong, but. If I've only got a weekend in a city, I'm not going to spend my time looking at the inside of four walls with you know a bunch of metal plates and dumbbells. I want to go out and see the city. So I might get up super early and do like a 5am workout so I can go out and see things, or I might just be smart and try and batch my workouts to another time, but I'm not going to sacrifice anymore because if I tend to choose life more now these days. And that allows me to relate to my clients way more. It allows me to be a better coach and the interesting part of this realization for me was that this dedication, this obsession, this pure love for health and fitness was actually the thing that made me a good coach in the first place. It was that thing that allowed me to outshine others because I was just so passionate and obsessed with it to be completely honest. Whereas I feel like if that was me today, it would actually be detrimental to my ability to coach because now I can actually offer people practical solutions. I can say, "Hey, you know what I would do? I would go on a run and see the city at the same time. I wouldn't, you know, aim for a specific pay- I just take my time, take some photos along the way or, oh, you're going there. I know a really good pokey or acai spot that you can stop by that won't ruin your calories or macros for the day rather than saying, hey, you probably should be packing up your Tupperware and taking it with you, right? So funnily enough, that initial obsession has evolved into something a little bit more relaxed, but still intentional. And I think that that's served me really well. And I think it's a lesson to take away from here to say that what got you success in the first place might not always get you success. So you have to be aware of being able to adapt and change to your circumstances, both what you're experiencing and with a different type of people that you're coming into contact with and potentially working with as well. So number eight is you can still get better being 12 plus years into your journey. So coming back to that period at the start of the year where I was so on point in my training, I had such a good groove and rhythm going. I was the strongest I'd ever been. I had my best deadlifts, I had my best squat, I had my best bench press, and I had my best overhead press. And what was the most impressive about that for me was not the numbers. I mean, it was great. It was personally very satisfying and gratifying. But what was the most important thing was, is that I started this a very long time ago. If I reflect on my life and try and think of things that I've committed 12 to 13 years to, there wouldn't be that much on that list. However, this is something I've been doing now for such a long period of time And it's not just about the length of time. It's that I can say that 12 years in, I'm still improving. I'm still getting better. and I've still got that hunger and desire to improve. And I think that says a lot. And that really, really spoke volumes to me where I was able to achieve those lifts that I never have done before. Because if I know that I can take this into other areas, if I start a pursuit today, it may be in my career or any other area. Maybe I start a new instrument or something along those lines. I know that 12 years on, I could be getting better because I've done it in another pursuit and I can carry that over. And this is the beautiful thing about the health and fitness journey. It is universal. You can apply it to different areas of your life. Those wins, those gains you get mentally and physically, you can apply to all other areas. So that was a big one for me this year. And there isn't many times within the health and fitness journey that I praise myself, but this is something I was thinking, wow, that's pretty damn good. I could live off my past successes. I could just maintain for the rest of my life life now, but I'm still striving to get better. And I think that everyone else who started a journey now should A, be doing the same and B, take encouragement. It doesn't matter what age you are, just keep trying to do a little bit better than you did last year. And you'll be amazed at what you achieve when you look back on one year, two years, five years, 10, or maybe even 15. Number nine was an insight I actually shared on Instagram earlier this year. And I shared it in the form of an analogy and a quote. And that quote read, if you don't like the hand you're dealt, Start dealing your own cards. And I go into the story of saying, I grew up as a chubby child. I was not <laughs> remotely close to being genetically blessed with my physique or my athleticism. If I stuck with a hand that I was dealt and I was given, I'd probably continue to have below average physique and below average health, if I'm completely honest. But what I realized when I was younger, I'm not sure where I got this insight from, but I'm grateful for it, is that I had the, the ability to deal my own cards. I didn't get the genetic ace per se, but I decided to get myself some other cards like the the work ethic card, the staying power card, the consistency card, the longevity card. And there are certain cards that you're given. And the ones that I earned, are available to everyone and once you realize you can significantly improve your own hand by taking control of the pack of cards, you open up a whole world of opportunity and I quite often get asked what the key to my success is when it comes to the health and fitness and it's exactly this. I just identified the cards that would be most helpful for me and I started working towards getting them. The work ethic card, the staying power card, the consistency card and I got so good at attaining those that they became a part of my identity, they became a part of who I was and I actually like having those as a part of Me now. So if you identify that you're not in a position you specifically like or in a set of circumstances that are favorable, identify the cards that you need and go out and work towards them, and things will change dramatically. And we made it to number 10 on the list, which is intentionally placed here because it's something I'm trying to live in a little bit more. I'm trying to live in this lesson a lot more because I think it's really valuable. And I think that I've spoken a lot about the specifics of health fitness in the context of training and nutrition and sleep and all that type of stuff. But realistically, your health comes down to how you feel at the end of the day. And if you don't feel good in your body, in your mind, then are you really healthy? And I think that's a really important question to ask because it's not just about whether you've got a set of abs. It's not just about what the number says from the scale. It's about how you feel. And that lesson for me is that life is best lived in the paradox. I think there's a beauty in not being so tied to one approach or being so far down the line of one extreme. I find that paradoxically, embracing both sides of the spectrum tends to be the route to success. And I've given these examples before in the sense of ruthlessly pursuing a goal and being results-driven, but also letting go of the outcome, being super disciplined and structured, and also allowing room for spontaneity and flow. Pushing really hard and giving as much intensity as your workouts but also making time for rest. So you can see how these things that seem to be polar opposites are actually very well integrated when you actually give them the opportunity to do so. You know, I can be super disciplined and structured all the time, but I'm going to miss out on a lot of things that I gain through spontaneity and flow. I can push really hard and be super intense in all my workouts and my life, but I'm going to miss that opportunity to rest and actually come back stronger and better. And I think a lot of us think that we can only be on one side or the other without actually embracing the fact that if we try and align these polar opposites, sometimes they fit together a little bit more than we expected. So I'm going to leave us with that message today as it's something I've tried to embrace more of and it's something that I'm realizing and I've definitely not mastered this lesson by any means. So hopefully by the time I give you my reflections on 2022, I've started to master this a little bit more. So those are my top 10 learnings about health and fitness in 2020. It's been quite a year. It's been quite a couple of years. So if you have dedicated yourself to your health and fitness, give yourself a pat on the back. You know, it's not been easy. And if you have the intentions to do that in 2022, give yourself a pat on the back because you've got a lot of success ahead of you. So I'm excited to see what we all achieve in 2022. And I hope that you take the opportunity to reflect as well, not just on the health and fitness journey, but on life itself. And then we can set ourselves up for a really productive, fulfilling and incredible 2022. So as I Everything from me today, team. Take care and I'll speak with you very, very soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hasoon. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.